Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! Again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 172, and tonight we are taking another retro trip back in time to the 1970s to look at some more made-for-TV terror. This time we're looking at the 1970 film Crow Haven Farm. And I've got two very special brand new guests to join me and to delight your senses and make you tingle in places you didn't even know you had yet. But before we do that, I have a very special promo to play with an offer for you on how you get to program the podcast in the future. What? What? Well, shut up and listen. December 7th. 1941. For the first time on the big screen, direct from its Broadway run, the groundbreaking musical. Inspired by George Takei's true life experience, Allegiance. Starring Tony Award winner Leia Salonga and George Takei. Coming to select cinemas for a special one night event Tuesday, December 13. Tickets on sale now at fathomevents.com. So, as you've heard, on December 13th, in select cities all around the United States, there will be screening a live production of George Takei's musical, Allegiance, which played on Broadway a few years ago. And why is this important? It's important because it's about his time in the Japanese internment camps that happened during World War II. And this is is a period of American history, a particularly dark period, that has been either scrubbed out of our history textbooks or has been soft-pedaled. And it is important now more than ever that we remember what we did, that we tore families apart and interred people without any due process just because of what they looked like, because we're on the verge of it happening again. History is about to repeat itself, and this is an opportunity to educate yourself in a fun way about this very insidious black period of American history. And so, to help promote this event, if you buy a ticket at Phantom.com or Fandango, whatever movie service you use to see the movie on December 13th, please save your receipt. Take a picture of it and send it to me. For everyone who sends me their ticket receipt for seeing Allegiance on December 13th, you will get to program the show. This show right here. You get to pick the movie that I talk about. I don't care how long it takes because this is important. If you've ever heard George speak about this topic, you'll know that it was a living nightmare, and this nightmare is poised to happen again. Do what you can to help stop it. Educate yourself. And hey, take over Scream Queens for an episode. Doesn't that sound fun? It better. So please, go buy a ticket. They're tearing apart our families, turning us against each other. 
This has got to stop. It's our time to rise. Stand up and fight. Stand strong together. Welcome back, everybody. It is a pleasure, as always, to be here with you again. If you're new to this show, hi, my name is Patrick, and I'm going to be your host for the next two hours or so, and I'm going to be your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror, but as seen through my very, very gay little eyes. But before we get into all that business, what's been going on in Scream Queen's headquarters? Well, first of all, not so great stuff going on. Uh, Miss Moochie has not been well. Uh, right after I posted the last show, she had uh, an incident that some of you saw on Facebook. I took a video of it. She was having an episode that I've never seen before. She was running around the house at 5 o'clock in the morning like a wild, feral cat, like she didn't know me. Her back was spasming. I could not get near her. I took her to the vet. They thought that she had injured her back. They scheduled her for x-rays, and the x-rays show that she has an enlarged heart. And further testing is required. However, the sedated x-rays and the blood work that we did on the last visit had wiped me out financially. I set up a GoFundMe campaign to help pay for her next set of tests. And we reached the goal almost immediately. So I want to thank everybody who donated. That would be Betty Boulard and Spooky the Cat. That would be Mickey O'Hagan, Doug Shapiro, Karen Ellis. Patrick Plain, Bruce Ward, Carly Benz, Tommy Morningstar, how you doing, Tommy? And a couple of anonymous donators as well. Donators? Yes, donators, that's a word. Donors as well. So thank you guys for that. She's been doing fine. She's been on morphine, so she's high as a kite most of the time because her back is in a lot of pain and she's got that funky tail rot she gets because little girl can't stop eating herself. But she's sitting here right now and she's being super sweet. And thank you for everybody who helped out there. And I realized after I posted the last episode that I was in such a rush to get it out, I didn't tell you the terrifying thing that happened to me on Halloween, the real life thing. When I came out of the bedroom in the middle of the night to go pee, and when I went to get a glass of water and turned on the light in the kitchen, slowly scurrying, Across the kitchen floor was a gigantic rat. Ah! So I screamed and I screamed and I screamed. I screamed for like five minutes straight before I realized it was not a rat. No, no, no. I had been grooming Miss Smoochie earlier in the day. And since she is a somewhat long-haired cat, she sheds a lot. So I had thrown her fur into the garbage can. But somehow it had blown out and there it was blowing around in the breeze of the heating unit in the kitchen and therefore I'm an idiot but oh boy what a Halloween fright that was once again the neighbors think I'm completely insane they had to come over like are you okay and I'm like yes I'm just being attacked by a giant ball of cat fur that I thought was a rat maybe this would not have been such a not have been such a big deal had I not just seen a special Fangoria screening 
of Morgan Spurlock's new documentary, Rats. And it is exactly what it says it is. And for a documentary, it's absolutely terrifying. And it's been airing on Discovery. So if you have that channel, go check it out because it is quite a disturbing, horrifying little ride for a documentary. Although you'll miss the experience that I had because they didn't tell us when we went to this very special Fangoria screening that the seats had been set up with devices, William Castle style, little bit of shock treatment, little bit of wiggly things under the seats to hit you on the legs and make you go, ah, whenever the rats came out. And so you won't get that, but you still get a great thing. And by the way, Morgan Spurlock, hot, hot, hot. And I'm suing him for the alimony had he ever met me before. What am I saying? I don't know what I'm saying. What's up, Smoochie? Okay, she's going to act up now because that's what she does. It's all she does. But that much aside, it is a very special time here at Scream Queen's headquarters because today is the first day that I am recording with the... Running in the background. That's right. It's... In my apartment. And this is always such a joy for me because I get to play this ridiculous clip over and over and over again. Because you see, the building that I live in is very old. And so we have... And if you know from past episodes that can be very loud. There's lots of clinking and clonking and all kinds of strange noises in the background. Just so you know, there's no scary ghost here. There's nobody trapped or chained to the walls. No, no, it's just the... And this is a completely stupid joke that only me and Joey Buhacker from the Cocktails and Cream Puffs podcast seem to get. Yet I feel the need to play the... Year, whenever I'm recording, when the is active in the background, and either you're gonna love the or you're gonna hate the, but either way, you're gonna hear about the. So just deal with it. It's a tradition, tradition, and we're done with that for another year. <laughs> God, that felt good. Aside from that, things have not been great here. Um, family stuff. Family stuff I never thought I'd be going through again. It's taken me back to the 1990s. Last weekend, my uh, brother was having a surprise birthday birthday party thrown for him and, and his wife, where they share a, you know, their, their, their dates are close to you. Never mind. You don't care. You don't care. And it was out on Long Island, so I drove out there, and there was traffic, so I was late. So I'm thinking, great, I'm going to blow the surprise. And I'm thinking, I'm an hour and a half late. They must be in by now. And I'm walking up to the restaurant just as I see them pull into the parking lot. So what does Patrick do? Patrick dives into a shrub and hides there for 10 minutes while they argue in the parking lot about whatever bullshit they were arguing about. I'm like, just go in a fucking restaurant. It's like raining and shit, and I'm cre- I'm like, this isn't – okay, total – Typical Saturday night, hanging out in the bushes, not being a creeper at all. But at the party, I was pretty much told by, well, not my parents because they weren't going to be in town for Thanksgiving. They were going to be in Florida. But I was told by other members of my family that I should probably find other plans for Thanksgiving because it's, yeah, you're you're not going to fit in this year. Okay. 
they had seen my pictures from the various protests that I've been to and they'd seen my posts and my pleas for people to sign petitions and letter writing campaigns and calling campaigns and apparently I'm just too radical for them now. And this line has been drawn in the sand before. When I first came out and I wasn't allowed to meet my new nieces and nephews or hold them or do anything with them. So I guess because I was just I wouldn't be able to stop myself from molesting them or I'd just get my gay all over them. And that's really sad. But one of the parts of being in the LGBT community is that we often have to pick our chosen family over our actual family. And I want to say a big thank you to Jack and Jonathan, who I sing in with the chorus, who had a special Thanksgiving dinner for other people who had been orphaned for whatever reason and would have been spending the holiday alone. And it was a wonderful, joy-filled day with damn incredible food. And for that, I am thankful. And as for the whole political situation that we're in right now, I have to say I'm just getting worn down. Every cabinet appointment just seems like a bigger and bigger joke that we're, we're appointing a hall of villains rather than a government system. And with all of the conflicts of interest that keep arising on a daily basis, I feel like all of these things are being put up to distract us from something because I seem to be fighting everything except the fight that I'm in for, which is, of course, to protect my health care. I've jumped on all the other bandwagons and nobody seems to be addressing this one because there's always something bigger. And that's a worry to me. And it's wearing me down. It's exhausting. And the neighborhood has changed. Uh, bad things have happened. There was an incident just up the road that went viral with a motorist screaming obscenities and another driver in the name of Trump, racist stuff. And uh, my councilman and neighbor, Jimmy Van Bramer, was receiving death threats, A, for being gay, B, for organizing uh, a borough-wide protest and march toward Trump Tower, which we still did. You know, we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna stand and care. And hey, want to give a shout out to Elena Acker for joining me on that trip, and to, for Mr. Brad as well. That was really cool to see my fellow Queen Screamers out there being loud and proud and not taking things lying down, even though I don't know if we're doing any good at this point. But that's just today. Daddy's in a dark place. But that's why I'm here with you. Because talking with you makes me feel better. So fuck families, fuck government, let's have some fun. Okay, what have I seen in the movies lately? I got to go see another Fangoria screening of a Mexican film called The Similars. Which while I'm not sure if it was a good movie or not, I have to give it incredible amounts of credit for just being balls out for 90 minutes for saying, we know this doesn't make a lick of sense and we don't care. Get on for the ride or don't. And it had a great Twilight Zone feel to it. They, they were absolutely aping a Twilight Zone style of episode down to the way it was filmed, down to the off-screen narrator, uh, Rod Serling style. 
if the movie comes up on your streaming things, definitely check it out. I'm not saying it's a great movie, but you will not see a movie like it ever. What else have I seen? I saw The Neon Demon, hated it, thought it was a gorgeous movie, did absolutely nothing for me. I don't know how anything that was this gory and this dark and this well-produced could also be incredibly boring. Boring. And the other thing I got to see was Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them or Fantastic Breasts, as my phone likes to autocorrect it to it. Uh, And I didn't care for that either. Now, I didn't read the book. Not yet. And as a result, I had no idea what was going on in this movie. This was a movie that was made for people who already read the the book, which is something that I found with all of the Harry Potter movies, is that they're in such a rush to get all of the action that's in the book into the movie because God forbid they leave anything out and the super fans will lose their mind, that characterization and nuances are just out the window. It's just You're just hopping from one explosive set piece to the next explosive set piece, and I didn't know what the fuck was going on, and a lot of that was because I didn't understand a word out of Eddie Redmayne's mouth. I know he's a great actor. I know he doesn't normally have a speech impediment, but he was doing something wonky with his speech for this movie. And since he's got he, – he explains everything that's going on, I didn't know what was going on. So fuck this movie. Fuck this movie. That's what I have to say. Now, I've got my two very special guests waiting in the wings. It's a longer – interview which is great because we go way off topic we go talk about all kinds of exciting things because these two guys are super smart and super special and i'm thrilled to have them with me so enough for my jibber jabber let's get down to the business let's get in that time machine and go way 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 back to 1970 the year of my birthing and let's don our party city pilgrim attire because it's kind of like thanksgiving but totally not (laughs) which is why i chose this movie it's because they kind of look like pilgrims even though they're witches Let's go, kids, to Crowhaven Farm! in time to revisit made-for-TV movies from the 1970s, it's absolutely no fun to take that trip by yourself. So I have brought not one, but two absolutely fabulous guests to join me on this little nostalgic voyage that we're about to undertake. So 
Let me bring them on. First of all, we got a guy. He is an author. He is an expert on all things evil, and he's usually sitting right next to me in the bar stool on Wednesday nights at Marie's Crisis. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mr. Stephen Morris. <laughs> Hi, Patrick. How are you? I'm super cool, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm so happy to be able to be here finally. That uh, we've this our long laid plans have come to fruition. Yes, but they haven't quite come completely to fruition. This is really weird because it's the same conversation we had before. We <laughs> we already had an aborted attempt at this call, folks. We hide nothing here. You can see all the strings, but. Speaking of seeing strings, whoo, I got another guest dangling, just waiting to come on. So let's do that right now. He is a super cool New York City-based filmmaker. He loves all things Sharktopus, and he's got the most photogenic dog that ever lived. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mr. Brian Norton. Glad to be here too, and I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad I said your name right this time. Oh my gosh! You know, I just realized it's like you know, Stephen, author of various books, Brian with a cute dog. <laughs> I said you're a filmmaker. Well, your dog is your dog is ninety percent of your posts. I need to get some street cred. My posts are like TV movies and my dog. And yeah. your dog. Okay. All right. You know what? Fine. Let's redo the call a third time, shall we? Just for <laughs> no, you, Brian. No, 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 no. That's that's not on you. That's me. Okay. <laughs> I love it. No, Rusty's adorable. I. Rusty's adorable. Uh huh. And it's weird. I look at this sometimes. I'm like, does he just take these pictures himself? It's weird. Like I just picture the dog has a photographer all his own. That's like separate from you. Just just like works for the dog. Actually, my students had made Rusty a uh, his own Facebook page. So if you're curious, you can find Aww. Rusty Jones on Facebook. Yes, Rusty so. Jones. Yes. yes, yes. Okay, so I know who you guys are, but they don't know who you guys are. So, Stephen, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? And what, 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 what are Never mind. Just tell them about yourself. I'm going to say something. Forget it. I'm all thrown off my game now. I don't even have a game, but I'm thrown off it. Well, since 2000, I've been organizing conferences on evil and human wickedness with a friend of mine from Oxford. You've come to the right place. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and um, so every year we have an interdisciplinary uh, event that looks at evil and human wickedness through a variety of prisms. Uh, we have literary critics, historians, theologians, legal scholars, uh, psychiatric nurses, um, anybody and everybody who uh, has some experience of something that could be considered evil through from some perspective. We've had the family members of victims of serial killers in, in England ah. uh, come and... We talk, we spend anywhere from three days to a week talking about evil and wickedness. And we've had some quite successful spinoffs about evil and women, uh, one that's just specifically about monsters. Um, but we, we are able to three times a year get together uh, and just revel in wickedness and wow. the dark side. Wow. 
Now, when I think of evil spinoffs, I think of things like the Ropers, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different evil. That's a different suppose, definition. Yeah, so Brian, don't fuck with him. <laughs> he knows people and he knows stuff. Oh my God! I'm not gonna listen. I'm not gonna fuck with him. No way. <laughs> you are warned. You are warned. So, and, and, but you're also an author. You write. You write some really cool horror books and fantasy stuff. Yes. Yes, I, I write uh, contemporary and historical fantasy in which all the magic and fantastic is based on authentic pre-industrial beliefs and practices. So it's the real deal. If you want to try any of this stuff, this is what people actually did to accomplish these ends. And my most recent book uh, came out in September, Storm Wolf. It's about a werewolf in Estonia in the 1880s, 1890s, and he um, is forced to, to run away from home, and he travels through Latvia and Lithuania, Poland, Bohemia, and encounters all these characters from werewolf folklore um, in all these different places along the way. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. And Brian, you're a super cool, bleh, super cool filmmaker. <laughs> I think what this is sounding like is that we were all indoor children growing up, I think. Yeah. You think? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right up mm-hmm. my alley. Looking out the window, yeah, so, practicing so, our uh, violin, whatever the fuck we did. <laughs> so, harpsichord, uh, harpsichord. I had an accordion. So. <laughs> I had a Sorry. Brian's Sorry. talking. Shh. It's okay. It's okay. So, uh, yeah, I took the uh, filmmaker route. I I went to uh, Sarah Lawrence College for undergrad, so I can't wait to hear more of your theory about the evil in women, because it should get interesting. Um, But that's where I got my degree in cinema studies and then uh, my film production degree at NYU. In addition to being a writer-director, I am also... I am the go-to guy, the scholar, that when people are doing a documentary or an article, that they will often come and consult with me. But you know what? God damn it, I should be doing those books now. So, um, yeah, I contributed to some. Uh, there's a, a great documentary called Going to Pieces, The Rise and Fall of the Slasher Movie. Oh, sure. I know it well. Yep, yep, yep. Ah. And uh, I'm in the, the good the Corman documentary that came out a couple years ago, which is wonderful. And, and Patrick, when you and I met at FlameCon, I was there to be interviewed for – uh, the Scream Queens documentary on uh, Elm Street 2, of which I am uh, well-versed in, yep. a.k.a. Hope Lang, who was also in Crowhaven Farm. So, mm-hmm. so that's that's it for me. And, uh, you know, I directed a few movies, one of them before the TV show called Penny Dreadful with uh, late Mrs. Voorhees, Betsy Palmer. And mm-hmm. um, and another one just called All Hallows Eve 2 just came out in some TV movies, which aren't really worth talking about, but okay. that's key. So okay, and now I remember what I was going to ask you last time that I couldn't remember. Yeah, you were also in Jaws two. Well, <laughs> listen, I'm obsessed with Jaws two, but Jaws two was a big local movie for for me growing up in New England because they 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 shot well they shot all of Jaws on Martha's Vineyard where I grew up, but they shot like some of. Jaws 2 at Martha's Vineyard. So there's a lot of B-roll there. For some some reason, there is a shot of me eating a hot dog in a montage about fat people. In Jaws. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this. It's this really cute montage where the music gets all corny. It's like... Yeah, it's the baby elephant walk. Yes. And this is what a nerd I am. I've learned that the footage in the movie is different than the footage that's in the trailer. Because in one of them, I'm like shoving it in my mouth. The other one, I'm just putting mustard on it. But anyway, that's my claim to fame is I'm in B-roll of Jaws 2. Wow, with a wiener in your mouth. Okay, go figure. Next to a big sign that says Merit Cigarettes. So all 
out there. I want to see me without a shirt on, circa 1977. Hot. Hot. Well, that goes with the whole pederasty vibe of the movie we're about to talk about. But but actually, Jaws 2 is like, you know, when you're you're little and you want to make movies and they're filming it there, that's like one of the the seminal, you know, memories. It's a godsend, yeah. So... I'm here because of Jaws too. Yeah, I love that. I love that story. I, and I found that out much later after I uh, after I knew you and started following. You. It was like what? That was a recent discovery. I was like, what? You are just like an onion. This is another layer that's fascinating. And you can you can find my interview in Fangoria with Donna Wilkes. Remember Donna Wilkes? She played sure do. Angel, and she was the one gacking Jaws too, who screams for the whole movie. Uh huh. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, I, I got to interview her, and I told her my little hot dog story, and she pretended to remember me. She's like, oh, that's you, of course, yes, whatever. Very, very sweet. The guy with the little hot dog, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You said it. I didn't say it. You said yeah, it. Sure. I yeah. didn't say it. So, for those of you who are new to the show, this is a recurring segment that I do, because these made-for-TV horror movies that they made in the 70s that were always on the ABC Movie of the Week on Wednesday night were foundation stones that laid the groundwork for my for my love of horror laying the stonework that's being laid on top of me like the rocks being piled on hope lang in this movie and they were always an event because you got to understand there were only three maybe four channels back then so when you actually had something like this it was an event everything stopped you knew about it three weeks in advance you planned for this like, no, there was going to be no – had to make sure parents weren't going to be watching Quincy that <laughs> night. No, 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 no. No Quincy tonight. No, we're watching this. Everyone would be talking about it for days afterwards. So this would be really, 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 really important events growing up. And I think you guys would back me up on that. Absolutely. Of course. Everybody – if you didn't watch it, you couldn't talk to anybody the next day at school. And it wasn't like now you could just find it online or go get the DVD. No, it might never air again. No. Right. Yes, that was that was before we. The, 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 if you really think about it, that was before all that kind of stuff. So it was a a, a, a one and done. You know, uh-huh. you didn't know, maybe it would be the four o'clock movie. You know, five years later, but uh-huh. it maybe like, it would come back for a summer when they were trying to fill some slots. Absolutely, but, but if you wanted to see it again, you would have to wait years and hunt and, it down. And it wasn't like oh, I'll watch it tomorrow. So and you were yeah. not the cool kid on the playground. Maybe again, maybe that's why we romanticize possibly how good they are is because their lack of availability for so long, and you know we we just built it up in our heads. So we'll see when we watch it again. Does this Crowhaven Farm hold up? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get to that, won't we? Uh, Even though none of us were really born until the '80s, right? Yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> only 19 years old. Okay. <laughs> I remember this when this came on the very first time. Wow. Should I do my shit again? You old as fuck. Right. <laughs> I got out of my system. Great. That's right. That's right. Since we skipped your Adrian Barbeau bit, well, we, just, well, we, we can't we can't recreate the past. That stuff is gone. Alas, lost to the ether. But that's oh, okay. Whoa. More fabulous things. Better, more fabulous things will take its place. But the other thing that you, you as a modern person out there, Mister Listener or Ms. Listener or however you like to identify yourself. Might watch these movies now and go, what's the big deal? They're so tame. The thing is, they're tame now. But if you think about it, these came on on network television during primetime, and the whole family would gather to watch these particularly fucked up stories of invariably satanic sacrifices and 
you know, blood cults and serial killers and all kinds of stuff that these days you probably wouldn't be allowed to watch. No, not at all. Because no. there's very clear um, suggestions of pedophilia and things that would never happen today. No, in this one there is I mean it is flat out pedophilia in this one. So implied pedophilia. It's not even subtext, it's just like text. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's right there. That kid walks in and is just like Bleh, right there. But we're not there yet. So okay, so Let's get into the movie itself. Now, since you guys are the guest, you can find out which one of you is going to do this, or you could, you know, just share the task naturally. I would like one or both of you to give me a nice, compact, like, 30-second elevator speech summary of the very basic plot of Crowhaven Farm. You go ahead. Oh, okay. A contemporary woman inherits a farm. It turns out that she had lived there in a past life and that she had betrayed a coven of witches who had done her a favor, and now they are out for revenge. Well done. you got like 15 seconds left to spare. Wow. <laughs> that was efficient. I think mine might even be more terse, though. Go. We uh, like yours, dude. Mine is an, it's an odyssey of Thanksgiving decoration imagery. And Satan, <laughs> riding on the heels of a Rosemary's Baby ripoff. Uh huh. Because that's why I picked this movie for the for the Thanksgiving show. Because you oh, know the God. witches look like Puritans, which are kind of like pilgrims. So yeah, okay, it's sure. Uh huh. So, so it's Thanksgiving. It's a Thanksgiving the tale. They're so charming. I mean, they, they look like. I think the the um, bewitched Salem episodes have more credibility in there. <laughs> in their costume and production design. Oh, no. When you see, like, the whole wall of them blocking the road at the end, it's like, wow, they yes. the pilgrims are us because they're all in identical outfits. <laughs> yeah, the old Pepperidge Farm remembers. I mean, it's just farming about it. So, yeah, you got to dirty those costumes up a little bit. I'm just looking for the flying bedpan from the Salem episodes. <laughs> <laughs> those were the days. Okay, so our main character here is Maggie Porter, played by the gorgeous and fabulous Hope Lang. Now, if you're on the younger side, you will know Hope Lang because she was Jesse's mom in A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. And if you're old like us, allegedly, if you're, if you're old like Brian, then you'll remember her <laughs> from the TV version of The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. Yes. Every Saturday night. No, I... Now, I, I, happen to, I happen to know, I got exclusive information that she won the Emmy twice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to steal off Stephen's thunder from the last phone call that you never heard. <laughs> yeah, as Stephen said, she – well, actually, she doesn't inherit this farm right away. No, 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 no. Somebody else gets it first, Mr. Pearson. Yes. Yeah, in the first scene, it's the lawyer's office, and she gets like some milk glass and a and and, and a painting by an unknown author. Thanks, thanks, dead guy. Thanks, by an unknown. By yeah, whoever, yeah, whoever the deceased is, we don't know. Yeah, no, they didn't say, did they? Well, it doesn't really matter. He's dead. He's dead. Right. But, as long as he has a farm to leave, that's the important thing. Yeah. So she so she gets she, she gets the knickknack trinkets. This other dude gets the farm. My cousin Henry Pearson. I leave free and clear title to Crowhaven Farm, its house, outbuildings, and 80 acres of woods and farmland in Essex County, Massachusetts. But there's a codicil, Brian. You want to tell me what the... What, what the I, I have to look that word up, codicil. I just still wanted to talk about Hope Lang. I'm waiting for you to be done with your tangent here. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Is the plot a tangent? <laughs> 
okay, the lawyer says that this guy has 30 days to take over the property, and if he doesn't, it will immediately revert to Hope Lang's character. Right. Then he's like, don't worry, I'm going to buy the farm. But then he very conveniently right. buys the farm. <laughs> but not in a right. dead way. <laughs> he certainly does. <laughs> On his way to visit Crowhaven Farm, just as he gets up to the property, yes. there's a little girl on the road. He swerves. The car love taps a tree and then explodes Kaboom. in a fire, in a firebomb that comes from like the back of the car, if you notice. <laughs> it was kind of fabulous. Yeah, she looks very pregnant in that when she's standing in the road when he's, and he swerves to avoid her. But later on, the, Hope the Lang little, doesn't The little 10-year-old girl is pregnant. Yeah, but the Hope Lang never looks pregnant later, even no, when she's No, she does not. No, she doesn't. No, she does not, but we'll get to that. And what I love about these movies, too, like this is supposed to be in Massachusetts, but it's clearly Southern California. <laughs> right, in uh, the middle of the winter. Well, also, it's, you know, <laughs> you know, as a New Englander, it's totally not Massachusetts, but also it just has a, a film and TV junkie. It's It's quite obviously the same area that they shot Little House on the Prairie and a lot of the Disney movies on. Actually, it's um, the, uh, what is it, the, the Golden Anchor Ranch in mm-hmm. uh, New Hill, California, where everything made for TV was done. So, I mean, you can see that. <laughs> you could probably see that house in uh-huh. things that were on that week. So. Uh-huh. I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. And that's what I, another thing I love about these movies. It's always like that. We're in Kentucky. No, you're not. You're really not. It looks nothing <laughs> like Kentucky. We're, we're in Vermont. No, you're really not. No. <laughs> No, no, no. And that comes up later because there's an issue of time in this movie, mm-hmm. the passing yes. of time. Because like, yes. there's, there's a huge leap between the New Year's Eve party and her having the baby. Of course, we're way ahead of ourselves. But then I realized <laughs> there's only one season in Southern California, so it, it's very hard to judge these things. Absolutely. What impressed me with this movie in general is that um, something we talked about in the last uh, call that they have not heard is that when you go back and rewatch these things – now, like we've built them up for so many years, and you know, they were such a foundational thing for us. You watch them now and you're like, ugh, God, it's only an hour and 15 minutes and it's so slow. This one, not so much. It actually is a pretty compact hour and 15 minute little movie because we're not really five minutes in and we go dive right into reincarnation. No, I was surprised at how quick it moved. I was thinking, boy, if this nowadays they would spend a lot more time building things up and stretching things out. And... Yeah, because she's not in the house for five minutes with her friend Felicia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you know she, uh, they're touring around the house, checking things out, and Hope Lang just seems to know where all the secret passages are. <laughs> right. That's right. Like the uh, the. Um... You you uh, touch the coat hook and then it uh, opens up a, a fruit cellar and yeah 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 so she's getting weird vibes immediately and normally in a movie like this you would find out much later like reincarnation wouldn't even come up in conversation but she's like it's like I've lived here before. You know that cellar door was there. How did I know where the old well was? With that secret panel upstairs. Oh, you probably heard your folks talk about this farm when you were a kid. Felicia, do you believe people can live more than one life? You mean reincarnation? Anne. I think you should be serious. I am being serious, lovey. I know I've lived lots of lives. That's how I feel about this place. I've been here before. I've cooked in this kitchen. I've lived here. And I... Felicia, 
I'm going to stay. I can't. Subtle. Do you believe in, do you, do you believe in reincarnation? <laughs> and you know Felicia does because she's wearing that like fabulous – well, actually, no, it's hideous. That brown, brown long vest thing with the fringe. I'm like, what are you right. wearing? What are you wearing? <laughs> Yes, yes. We've seen that before. We just drove up from the we just drove up from Greenwich Village. No, not in that outfit you didn't. That's a ranch <laughs> outfit. You just came like, from the dude ranch that's shooting like the, the western that's shooting. Serena and bewitched, you know, uh, if it, if it yes. in that, yeah. Yeah, but so to contrast the ending when we see her in her her Spoiler. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. We're gonna spoil the shit out of this. It's forty years old. Let's go. <laughs> No, what I what I say, I I, I think you know they, to to accentuate the hippiness of her character, they put her in that, but it's also for contrast at the end for the mm. how everyone is going to be dressed. The big Star. reveal, yes. Let's fast forward to the end. We'll end this. Hope Lang is moving here with her husband Ben, who is an artist, and he's he's all he's all jazzed up about this. Ah, I'm going to make the barn into my studio, and it'll be great, even though you don't have a job. <laughs> Yes, that's the, one of the things that's very sort of maddening about this movie is how the women are all expected to be either secretaries or housewives. There's no other option, and there's no seat belts in the cars, and there's no baby seats, and there's everything but smoking in the car. Uh, you know, it's just like such a throwback, and those things w- would never happen now, and they were just taken for granted then. Yeah, I was kind of sad that there wasn't a scene in a hospital in this movie where the doctor would be smoking while having doing surgery. Right. <laughs> or at least during he could have he could have been smoking during childbirth upstairs. But uh-huh. or as Brian said in that other lost call, it's like when they're smoking in the car with the windows were rolled up with babies in the backs. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know now that if a movie contains smoking, it will automatically go up to a rated uh, a PG. Uh huh. Um, and, and now, in the when, you know when it says rated R for graphic violence and nudity, now if it contains smoking, that has to be included in the description of why the movie is rated what it is. So really? Younger, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, when yeah. they look at one of these old movies and say she was smoking, people are like, oh, my God, she smokes. I mean, serious. Like nonstop. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, 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 a, it's a – people really notice it now. Yeah. And she's mm-hmm. even drinking when she's pregnant, isn't she? I well, oh, <laughs> that's, that's why we love her, God. <laughs> and there's a scene when she's mainlining heroin. That was great. <laughs> well, I, listen, I know that this is... This is this it's is, in the director's cut, trust me. <laughs> this is terrible to say, but, you know, in light of shows like Mad Men and everything, that sort of glamorized the drinking around this time. But, you know, Hope was a legendary boozer in Hollywood. And, um, you know, function, they all were, I think. They all were. But... Uh, you know, I have it on a, a, a lots of sources that the, from lots of sources that Hope, Hope really liked her gin martinis um, uh, on the set, uh-huh. which, uh, you know, could be sad, but I really want to hang out with her for that. And also I know, she, me too. <laughs> me too. You had said that she'd be doing it in the makeup chair at like five in the morning. <laughs> That's what she did. You know, and uh, well, you know, you and I met at FlameCon, you know, and she was in Elm Street too. And I, I remember I just used to bore Mark Patton to death. We're like, oh, fine, was your mom? He's like, you know, I made him tell me about the gin martinis and I spoke to Clue Gallagher. He's like, yeah, she did like it, but it never affected her work. And, um. But there's that line in Crowhaven Farm where they said this is better than your four-story walk up in the village, which might have been sort of an in-joke because uh, Hope did grow up there. Oh. I learned, yeah, I mean, uh. she grew a uh, Greenwich Village denizen for her whole life. Oh, good for her. Uh, mm. yeah. What I had to say about what I had from Marie's. 
down the street from Marie's. And, you know, uh, Stephen, I probably know you from Marie's. I used to be the guy that I didn't know. I don't know any show tunes. I know downtown from Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. I bet you we probably would know each other. I know that whole thing. And I wouldn't be surprised. Marie's brings people together, gets them drunk. Yeah. Yeah, good thing. Good things, good things. But yeah, what I, what I think one of the things that really makes this movie work is Hope Lang. She's fantastic in this. He she says was... to deafening silence. Great, But she was a go-to star then, everything she did. I know, but a lot of times you see like these people, they seem under, you know, even if it's big stars, they seem under rehearsed or they're well aware that this dialogue is awful. But she's really committed to all of this ridiculousness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she really believes it. Yeah, which really adds a lot of gravitas and weight to the whole thing, which normally these things don't have. Even back then, I would be like, this is, this is silly. This is silly. Breathing right. sarcophagus with Satan in it. Okay, nah, yeah. nah, mm-mm. But, uh, yeah, no, she's great. She's fabulous. And her friend's name is Felicia, which of course now is hilarious, but. <laughs> would you what? ever notice though how, how much older these people, like if you, if we would watch this and you would look at Hope Lang, but, and in reality, her character's probably in her thirties. It just looks. Yeah, so- she's younger than we are now. Yeah. <laughs> Hope always got sort of stuck in that, uh, what, what would you call her hair? Is that a bob? A shag bob or something like I, that? I, I, I'm the wrong gay to ask. Yeah, I'm the wrong gay too. But, but I have a friend who would look at that and instantly be able to tell me, oh, you know, that is a, a dark And he's, he, he's absolutely disgusted with you right now. He just yes. turned off the show. Yeah. And but, he's, uh, this was during Hope's, This was during Hope's um, uh, the, the TV career. But, you know, prior to this, she got an Oscar nomination for uh, – Peyton Place, the original. Oh wow! She, uh, the Selena. Oh, that's right. That's that she right. Was she was. Yeah. Oh. And, um, and she went toe to toe with top billing above Joan Crawford in the movie Best of Everything, and that's a really, really putting the two of them together. Apparently, didn't like each other in real life, so you you, know, you, you can't be gay and not have seen the Best of Everything. So you did go Joan Crawford that. like anybody? But yes, yeah, I, right. It's Joan Crawford like anybody. But you, if, what you see, what, what um, the hopes quotes about making the movie? She said, "I felt bad for Joan having to be upstaged by <laughs> us newcomers. It couldn't have been easy for her." Like, oh, <laughs> oh, sure, but, you sure. Know, There's always someone younger and hungrier coming up the staircase behind you. Not to rattle on about hope, just let me get it out of my system. No, but, good. Uh, this is good. No, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Another good. seminal thing that uh, about hope is, you know, since she was Mrs. Muir on TV, um, that's why it was so shocking that in the original Death Wish, she gets the shit beat out of her and raped and yeah. killed. Yeah, she sure does. Half hour of the movie, and that's what leads Charles Bronson to his vigilante uh, thing for like ten sequels. But the, I think they purposely a wholesome TV personality so we would have that sort of backlog of oh we really like Hope Lang from TV and stuff like that thank but you for the, bringing that up that, I'd completely forgotten that she was in Death Wish yes yeah, scarred my life and then she didn't work for a while but you know in 80, 1986 she came back she did Elm Street 2 and Blue Velvet the same year it was very interesting she must have uh, needed money or something like that so yeah, hey she picked good projects yeah yeah she did. yes so, okay, so now back to the movie. She's there with her husband, Ben, who doesn't want her to work because he's an artist and somehow he thinks they're going to support them on that. And he's got jealousy issues. Up the wazoo. Very the wa- jealous, man. She can't really talk to anybody. And apparently he's shooting blanks. I asked Kevin to give me a lift because I thought you'd be worried. 
I should have stayed low. Was that his suggestion? Oh, Ben, come on. Congratulations. You found yourself a man who's eager to give you everything I can, including a child. <laughs> okay. Evidently. Well, because early on in an early conversation, he's like, well, I don't know why you're so upset. Is it that thing about the baby? <laughs> These are like the lines from Valley of the Dolls, which uh, Paul Burke was in. So That's where I know him from. Of Thank course. you. You know what? I'm yes. so glad you're here, Brian, for many reasons, because you're, you're just filling me in. Yeah, I'm filling you in, not in the fun way. Yeah, but he was a veteran of like a thousand roles, but uh, but that would be the one that you know, a lot of people would remember him. Sure, for, so. sure, sure, sure. Yeah, and so that that's just that's just tossed out there and left. But actually, that's very important. It's what kind of what this is all is is hinging on, because we learn that this house was originally well, not originally, but at some point, Hope's former previous incarnation. Right, in the 1600s, she lived there. She lived there, and... With really, her husband, who was also shooting blanks. Who was also shooting... Yes, yes, they were barren. As the book in Mysterious Typeface, the ancient book in Typeface, somehow knew. Yes, that was so bizarre. Yeah, that was bizarre. Uh, <laughs> no, it's very strange that a modern book would be in that typeface, but whatever. She's Maggie. This older one is Meg. It turns out Meg sold her soul to the devil in order to have a baby. And then took it back. She took it back. What does that mean, Stephen? She can't be trusted. <laughs> She's one of those bait-and-switch buyers, shoppers. That uh, Well, the way she did it, too, was not convincing. Because as she was being pressed under the board, and all the stones piled on top of her, bringing her nearly, you know, nearly killing her, she was able to pull her arms out from underneath the board and take <laughs> off her wedding ring. Oh, yeah, oh, that's and later. That's, later. Yes, yes. that's this incarnation, though. That's this incarnation. <laughs> no, because this all happened in the past. It turns out this woman was pressed to death because it turns out that Brampton, the town that this house in, was uh, much like its neighbor Salem, chock full of witches. Right, but she was she the one who was actually pressed to death was the girl. Ultimately, she, but they were pressing right. they were pressing Meg to death to get a confession out of her, and she right. finked. Yeah, she, she ratted fin- her. She ratted her. She ratted out. Her she ratted out. her niece out. Yeah, she named her co-conspirator, and somehow that broke the pact with the devil, which I didn't really. Well, understand. as long as he gets a soul, that was the deal. He tra- she traded one somebody else for her. Oh, she traded okay. her husband okay. for her. Okay. Okay. Okay, thank you, thank you. And what I think is great about these early scenes, when they're touring the house, that there is a shotgun that is prominently displayed over the fireplace. Yes. And it is actually Chekhov's shotgun. Because <laughs> I'm going, oh, I hope somebody uses that, but they, oh, they did. <laughs> oh, they did. Because we've, we've, we've had a lot, I've been bringing up the Chekhov, Chekhov thing a lot lately, because I reviewed a movie earlier that had Chekhov's dildo. And things like uh-huh. that. So, like, well, I hope that comes back, and it does. Or <laughs> so, and I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. It's good to see that these theatrical things are in use in the horror genre. It makes me very happy. It's nice when people follow the rules. It really is. So, and that's that's, and now that whole situation with uh, the Baron ancestor selling the soul of the devil. These things start recurring in modern times because, as much like her ancestor, Hope Lang will do anything. For a child, maybe not. She's not quite up to selling her soul just yet, but all these mysterious things are starting to happen. She's starting to have visions almost as soon as they get into the house. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, she, yes, she, 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 she sees shadows from the 1600s, uh-huh. and they get more, more and more um, specific and longer and longer in duration. And please stop me. Did we already talk about reincarnation on this call, or was that the last call? I think it was the last one. Okay, they're not the movie's not on for five minutes before reincarnation gets dropped. In like she immediately as she's walking around the house, she's dis- she discovering these secret passages that she should not. Right, and and she asks, asks Felicia there. like, "Do you believe in reincarnation?" Right yep. off the bat, and of course Felicia does. But you know that's not the point. That's neither here nor there. But uh, yeah, yeah, she says they like, "Don't spend I feel, any time to build anything up." I feel well, like I've lived here before. I feel. Can I, yeah, can sorry, I chime in on that part that Stephen that Stephen just said because it was something that I found interesting. Um, only when I first got hired to uh, write some TV projects, and um, it's it's a blessing and a curse about not uh, not having the time to build it up. Now, Patrick, you mentioned earlier we grew up with three channels or three or four. We had ABC, yeah. NBC, and CBS. And when when I got my first TV movie gig, they they gave me some ground rules and they said they explained in very layman's terms for for the challenge like me that if we go to the movie theater and we plop down our ten dollars or whatever that we've probably committed to the movie and they said with tv it's all about getting you not to change the channel ah right something at each increment before each commercial break that's why out of nowhere she'll say something like what do you think about reincarnation? The camera will zoom in. We'll have a big musical and fade to black. And a lot of times in Crowhaven Farm, it was this big thing that really led to nothing. But I think it was supposed to be a little cliffhanger before the break in order to, to make sure that we didn't change the channel. That we didn't go over so, to Quincy. Yeah. That, that was, it was really, really hard because you don't want to cash in all your chips, you know, already. You'd like to save all this stuff for the end. But I think they were afraid of people not tuning in. You know? Right. Right. There were there were limited options, but there were options. Yes, yes, yes. That's very true. Like you said, she's having these visions, but that's not all that's happening. It's like things are happening in real time. One night, she she starts hearing this child crying outside, and she goes to investigate, and she can't find a child. Then all of a sudden, the cries turn to this maniacal evil laughter. Muhuhaha, muhuhaha. And what's amazing in this scene, she's running, and she does a face plant that is to die for like she's eating grass she like goes <laughs> she lands on her face does not use her hands and it's her it's not right. that woman it's her she might have been drunk <laughs> she might have just fallen they're like keep it it's she great might, right. it's great she passed out it. it's great just go keep rolling keep rolling we got a time limit keep moving keep moving or we got a couple of days they would just say, like, let's call Vera Miles come in and finish it they don't even have to reshoot anything there you go no one, no one will know no one will know. <laughs> Put her in a wig. So yep. it's yeah. So we, we meet all the other locals. All the locals come to welcome the town, or I should say, the weekenders they call themselves, because they're clearly not from here. They're too classy and up. All right. Where's uh, Lloyd Bachner? Where's an uh, Ascot? So he's obviously you know. And the, but the strange guy, the strange handyman who just shows up. John yep. Carradine. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's and favorite Blair's drunk. Men- cra- again, again, another drunk, another drunk on set. Great, wonderful. <laughs> He just shows up and glares and doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Which was sort of his his calling as a career towards the later days. He was always 
cast as like creepy old foreshadowing man who usually just shows up for a little exposition or you know? or sits staring at the window for 90 percent of the movie sentinel anybody anybody <laughs> oh, probably don't, his most degrading role yeah i know you like that movie and you and i were gonna fight about it later on but don't give him any dialogue he won't remember it <laughs> <laughs> But in this, we meet uh, the Hutch character. Since this has, has got a strong Rosemary's Baby fight, there's an older dude. He's the guy who who knows about all the history of the town. He's not a weekender. He's an actual local. Yes. And so he sets up all the history, and he knows the history. And this is where we get all the backstory up front. The backstory up front is what I just said. Well, it gets all that stuff about the way. So it very quick, <laughs> Like you said, we have to move the story along. So we get this big, yes. really – Party-stopping conversation. At one time, half the population of Brampton was suspected of witchcraft, accused by the other half. Actually, there were eight executed. Seven were hanged, and one was placed to death. The accused witch was placed under a wooden plank. Then stones, such as our walls are made of, were piled on top. Usually, they were trying to get a confession. But if the accused wouldn't confess, she was finally crushed under the weight. Oh, we're literally, they, they try to camouflage that it's all this exposition by having a character say, oh, here we go, we're going to get a lesson in puritanical history. <laughs> so it actually says that. So that means when he goes to his five pages of dialogue, we, she's already acknowledged the cliche. So, so we can't make fun of it. Stop taking away my fun. Don't take away my fun. Oh, I don't need to. But, but no, I, I meant, I meant a, them. Uh, I meant them, not you. Oh, you, oh, you are my fun, Brian. character actor, Cyril Delavante, who was probably 180 when he made he, that movie. So Easily. He's up in lots of things, yeah. Easily. Yeah, but yeah. Well, so I, he, I recognize a lot of the voices in this from this, uh, even though I couldn't always think of the names, I said, I know that guy. He's been in all this yeah. other stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm sorry we're jumping around a bit, but that's just the way these things go. But after this whole incident with the crying child and the laughter and the face plant, and the <laughs> uh, she goes to see her doctor, who blames it all on, like, hysteria. Well, you can't have a child, and you heard a child crying. Maybe that's the problem. I'm wondering, Mrs. Porter... Do you think it's possible that the sense of frustration and denial you feel because you're childless, do you think that could be responsible for this nervous reaction? I suppose. Doctor, I'll give anything to have a child. I have an issue. No. I have an issue. I would not go to a doctor named Dr. Terminex or Terminal, whatever the hell it was. I'm sorry, could you not get an appointment with Dr. Axe Murder? What, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> but then, right, but he's, he's the only one in town. He is Dr. Ter- Ter- Terminer, Terminer, right? Yeah, it's a ter- <laughs> terrible name for a doctor. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I know from my experience with TV, especially with TV writers, that they say a lot of times, like, with naming a character, yeah, like, you'll give them say? a name that will that has some kind of clue. Oh, sure. To what they're all about. Again, just to save time, even on a subliminal level. So I'm like, what are you doing, Hope Lang? Right. Sober up. Go see another doctor. There's got to be another doctor in town. So, of course, since this is the Rosemary's Baby thing, because everybody's in on it. Spoiler, everybody's in on this. The doctor's planning head is uh, planning the idea in her head like, oh, you should have a child. And just she- keep saying Dr. Terminer, though, whenever we refer to his character. I'd like to hear his name. Send all that. Dr. Terminer. 
Who's also in Valley of the Dolls, by the way. Just gotta say, it's the laziest casting ever. Like, let me cast all my friends. So. Then where's Patty Duke? <laughs> <laughs> Patty Duke should have been Felicia. Wasn't she hiding in the in the corn cellar or something? <laughs> sure, why not? Oh, Patty Duke was also in a whole slew of these movies back then. The uh, yes, Aaron she was. What? Yeah. Whatever happened to Rosemary's Baby? Oh my goodness, that's right. That's Oof. right. That's right. Never made it through that one. Me Dr. either. Channing got her start in in one of these. The girl most likely to. The girl most that, likely that. to. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember that uh-huh. one. Written by Joan Rivers. Yeah. Yes. That I did not know. I've seen that one. I did not assure. Well, with this, where, this is very informative. I'm learning so much. Of course, people, people, thing, people yeah. listening are like, <laughs> it's okay, but that's fine. I don't care. It's all about me. No, how do we keep them? For, again, I'm new to this whole podcast thing because I'm only 20. So um, <laughs> we keep them from dozing off. Okay, it's always important to keep your listeners awake. Good yes. question. Good. I'll be playing loud noises sporadically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we're good. No, this is good. This is good. All of a sudden, an answer to their prayers comes in the form of a creepy old woman named Mercy Lewis. And that's the name. Once she said, my name's Mercy, I'm like, no, witch, witch. Of course. Did you not see the crucible? Witch. Anybody with a real, with a real Puritan name well, she's up to she, no good. She's, she's got an offer for them. What might that offer be, boys? She has a niece who needs to be taken care of. Yes. Jennifer. I'm trying to find a suitable home for my niece. Oh, I see. Jennifer is ten. Ten? Oh, no. You see, I we always thought that if we adopted... You we... prefer a baby. I understand. In your place, I might feel the same way. Still, I had to ask. Jennifer was orphaned when she was two. Now, Dr. Termina tells me that my illness is uh, incurable, so I'm trying to find a good home for Jennifer before I... I, Thank you. Yes, she's trying to find a home for her 10-year-old niece, Jennifer, whose parents died when she was a baby and has lived with Aunt Mercy. But Aunt Mercy's going to kick the bucket. So she's trying to get Jennifer set up. And like an answer to the prayers that they did not even know they had. They have instant family. They have instant family. Well, of course, Hope Lang's like, uh, we really want a baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, this, like, ew, it's really old. Ew, it talks already? Ew, no, but then, ew. But then she walks in the door and she's blonde and, oh, that makes everything okay. She's blonde you know, and immediately creepy. Usually, though, it would be a two-for-one because the actress playing the girl is – um. Cindy uh, Eilbacher. Uh-huh. She was in a lot of stuff. Yeah, her sister was the more famous one, Lisa Eilbacher. Lisa! <laughs> I love Lisa Eilbacher. Usually it was a two-for-one because they would be in movies together. They were both in Bad Ronald together. So when, when Cindy comes in, I'm just expecting Lisa to be right behind her. So, yeah, the Eilbacher girls. So, wonderful actress. Um, She's phenomenal. This kid is terrifying. Yeah. Very adult performance for a very young girl. Mm-hmm. Kids don't play conniving this well normally. No, I always wonder when kid actors are in movies that they're not al- allowed to see because of the ratings. <laughs> but fortunately, okay it was for on TV. Yeah, fortunately, it was on TV. Yeah. You didn't have to worry about that. And what she's just immediately she's coming on to Ben. <laughs> not explicitly, but like it, this is it's in his art studio and she walks over to his painting and she says, Did you paint this thing? That's right. Those 
The colors are so beautiful. They're so and she beautiful. Strokes it. She's stroking it. They make me want to cry. Meanwhile, there's other paintings that are more colorful and kind of pretty. She's like painting. This painting is like a symphony of brown. It's just like the ugliest. Oh, I, know. I mean, that, that painting, it's just like cat piss yellow. And like beige, and like this is so pretty. I'm like, come on, people. Which, <laughs> which, <laughs> I know it's the '70s, and that's the only colors that existed, but that's not okay. It's not. None of this is okay. Among these these friends that have shown up is Kevin, who is a lawyer who offers Hope Lang a job in his office and pretty much sex anytime she wants it, if she wants it. <laughs> this guy doesn't a need a fr- who doesn't need a friend like that this world, guy's obviously. a pig like pig from square one like has no bones about it because it's the 70s yeah which of course isn't sitting well with ben everything's not so great there she does take the job everything's cool he's important later on now should we do, do, do i have to be the one who breaks up our talk about the plot to talk about the actor there go right ahead tell me who didn't have a crush on lloyd bachner growing up or his son, Hart Bachner. Remember Hart I Bachner? was just about to ask if they were related. Hart yeah. Bachner from Terror Train, kids. Yes, yes. A can- Canadian uh, the dad and son team. But uh, but Lloyd, vet- veteran veteran actor. And, uh, and again, his son turned out to be a uh, good actor. And uh, I think uh, Hart is a director now, too. I have directed a bunch of movies. Oh. oh. Yeah. Anyway, those I- good Canadian scenes. Yes, one of my favorite things about this movie in the flashbacks is the amount of plum lipstick the Puritan women are wearing. <laughs> well, you can't be a good Puritan. Like there's some straight some. up lip gloss. There's some straight up lip gloss on these Puritan women. <laughs> because witches. Of course, they had to have some giveaway so they'd recognize each other. Sure, you sell your soul to the devil, you get a baby and a, and a case of Maybelline. And a, and, and a scar on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, that's right. We discover in, in a sexy bathing scene with Jennifer that she's got a funky scar on her shoulder. Do you want to tell me about that, boys? Well, she says that she doesn't remember how she got it. But then we find out, you know, that it's teeth marks and that <laughs> it's the proverbial devil's mark. Yes. <laughs> it ranks right up there with uh, dunking for proof of witchcraft. Yeah, yeah. Build a bridge with her. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I, we forgot, I forgot to mention that this kid who walked in, Jennifer, went, it's the girl that caused the accident at the beginning. So we know, yes, we know that she's immediately that this kid is evil. They're not high. It's not a surprise. So we're watching her manipulate everybody like, well, like John Cron- that creepy music cue. And she says, oh, come on in here, child. And she walked in. and <laughs> <"Better have fun." laughs> That helped us, too. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I keep thinking about that bite mark. Like, what a strange person. <laughs> <laughs> That's from when my dad bit me. It's a thing. I don't rough remember. sex. Yeah, we, that would have been a great answer. <laughs> that was rough sex with my dad. <laughs> yeah. She's saying more and more things. It's like a... Uh, there's a quarry on the property. She keeps having visions of people doing witchy things down there and more of running around. And eventually she finds out that she's prego. Right. And of course they're doing things that no new England witch would have ever done. They, they, they didn't go in for all those kind of ceremonies and, and torches and processions and stuff like you that. You mean they didn't sacrifice sheep and cattle and larger animals <laughs> <laughs> like elephants. That's what the book says. They sacrifice sheep and cattle and sometimes larger animals like giraffes. 
not quite. Okay, well, that's good. That's why we have an expert on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we found out that she's pregnant, and um, yes. but for, I don't know, Doctor Doctor Terminex, Doctor Terminex, pick up red phone, pick up the red phone, Doctor Terminex uh, wants her to keep it a secret, and she's like, oh, it'll be a great thing for New Year's. Now, this is something that occurred to me during this New Year's Eve party scene because Hope Line comes up and she is wearing an outfit that is straight up Shirley Partridge. Yeah, you're right. It looks like I, mean, I was thinking she's like a pirate, but you're right. It is uh, Shirley Partridge. It's, it's what Shirley Partridge would wear when she's pretending to play the keyboards. <laughs> it's total Partridge family uniform. But what I think is uh, what I thought was this is when it occurred to me. I mean, Hope Lang, they stick her in all those hideous, 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 hideous. 70s fashions, they've got her in, like, ruffles and lace and plaids and browns and orange, and yet she always looks fabulous. The mark of a great actress. Maybe she was a witch. You, didn't, you never saw what was on her shoulder. Meanwhile, Felicia uh, looked like ass. You know, but I saw <laughs> the, the, nurse, the nurse in her gigantic paper hat didn't look out that way. No, oh, sir. No, she looked ridiculous. Only in, only in movies do nurses wear the paper hat, even if it's a house call. I swear and to God. And hers was enormous. It was enormous. It was like a second head. Yeah, it's always bothered me, the paper hat, too, you know that they're a nurse. Just like every nun is a Carmelite nun in movies. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, those are the most delicious of nuns. They're chewy. <laughs> Just caramel. Uh, yeah, so she's pregnant, and, and it's like the quickest carrying of a baby ever. Because later on, like it's, it's like the, the scene after she announces that she's pregnant, she gives birth, and there's no sense of time moving no, and when you see her, I mean, even granted it's not HD, so it's kind of grainy and hard to see some of the details, but there's, she doesn't look pregnant at all. No, not a bit. There, there was no attempt to even... So when she had the baby, I was like, wait, what? Because what happens, she has another one of her visions, like more sacrifices in the quarry. She comes running home with blood on her, but her husband's like, there's no blood. What are you talking about? And she falls down. The doctor comes. She's in bed screaming. She's hallucinating. She has this great vision where... Of which version of Mercy, you know, in her little witch outfit, tells her, you know, it's the whole thing with her ancestor selling her soul. She's like, I won't sell my soul to the devil for a baby. And the woman says, then die, Baron. I want no traffic with the evil one. Your demons serve him. Then die, Baron. Baron! <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing that could possibly happen that's gonna ha that's how i'm gonna end all conversations from now on okay bye see you later die baron, die, baron. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could use that to talk to the guy in the cabinet die, but and what i loved with all scenes after the baby was born because i thought of you brian i thought of you because it's the worst baby prop <laughs> oh my god yes ever it's, it's like, like they're running around ball. with a ball of socks it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> i would say this though at least when the this the real shot of the baby that she's wrapping up she does take care to cover its face i thought she was going to smother it I'm like why is she wrapping its head so the continuity will be there when we just see this wad of blanket uh-huh yeah, uh-huh well, yes yes this <laughs> wad of blanket that we've now seen the face of a supposedly premature baby who is like 22 pounds yeah 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 but then somehow mysteriously turns into a small ball of so ball of socks whenever somebody's carrying it. Which, which weighs nothing. Weighs nothing. Right. Weighs nothing. It is teeny tiny. It flops everywhere. It reminds it me. It doesn't squirm. It and the reason, the reason why I'm thinking of this with Brian is because we had a conversation after that John Bonet special aired oh, recently. Oh, uh, the John Bonet Ramsey story. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, the special had aired, and then you put up that clip from the movie version yeah. of it, like from Lifetime, and it is the worst dead child prop. 
And they linger on it for so long. I mean, it's just like, ugh, it's, it's just, I don't know. But you, you, so you heard that. I mean, did you read some of the comments, people defending it? Like, well, what if she's got full rigor mortis? And I'm like, well, still, it just does not translate to screen very well. No, it's accident prone <laughs> Annie from like life saving classes. It's what it is. <laughs> <Annie. laughs> yeah, her, her. It's the, it's the, it's, uh, kids, the kid's sister doll, the bready, uh, the partner of the My Buddy doll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, no weight. Okay, so she has rigor mortis and somehow weighs three pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we have fake baby, which is amazing. <laughs> fake baby, yeah. It's yeah, now I, fake baby. I mean, I think that still goes to American Sniper as worse fake baby. It, it's a terrible time. baby. So, it, it, yeah. It's inexcusable in a multi-million dollar movie. You couldn't even make a CGI baby. Babies, then just contact me on Facebook. I know a lot about them. Okay. <laughs> Good, Good to know. know. We all have to have a specialty. <laughs> Had I known that, I would have led, led your intro with that. If you can't be an athlete, be an athletic supporter. He's got a gorgeous dog, and he knows everything about dead, ba- <laughs> dead fake babies. <laughs> I just have a really cute dog on Facebook, Mr. Brian <laughs> And sometimes he does a movie or something. I don't know what the hell he does. <laughs> that doesn't matter. It's all about no, the No, so it's the big finale. She finds out everything that not only is Jennifer a witch, pretty much everybody she's met since she moved here, and sometimes before she moved here, everybody in her life, except her husband, is a witch who's out to kill her. They're all somehow reincarnated souls who have been waiting for her to return to exact their revenge. What have I done to you? You betrayed us, mistress. Exchanged our lives for thy own. Sixty-two years ye enjoyed life. I died at ten because ye betrayed me. No. No, that was McGarry. Hundreds, hundreds of years ago. We've waited for thy soul's return to this world. For our revenge. What is unfinished must be finished. What is unavenged must be avenged. Then will our master claim his overdue payment. Thy soul. Now, Stephen, you said that you you remember this from its original primetime airing, right? Yes. It was terrifying. And uh, that that twist, the reveal that the whole supporting cast that we see is actually in on the whole thing. That was a, a revealing moment, like oh, oh my god, or it wasn't Captain Obvious. I don't remember if it was a shock, but I remember it was terrifying. Okay. To, and to actually see it come come to life, that what you suspected might be, um, that it, I think that it was so um, all inclusive that it wasn't just a few people, but it was everybody. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Well, because you know, for Patrick, for you and me, let's face it, this was, and probably for Stephen too, but this would be a movie that we would probably see in the afternoon. When it was rerun, I don't, I don't, I don't think. No, yeah, yeah, I was, I, I was not around for the first, I mean, I was around, but I was not old you enough watching. to be watching it. No. No, no we were in, we were in uh, middle school when it, when it aired the first time, and I remember talking about it, um, when I met my best friend the next morning walking to, to school for the last couple blocks. Like, did you see? Yeah. <laughs> Could you believe? Yeah, and right, and if you were among those kids who did not get to see it that one time it aired, that was it. You heard everything. So, yeah, but if you if you finally did get to see it, you already knew everything. 
Yes. Yeah. There, there are no uh, spoiler alerts. Because the playground was ruthless. The playground was ruthless. They're going to tell you everything. There's no spoiler alerts back then. They weren't <laughs> invented until the 1990s. <laughs> yeah, even fucking Felicia's involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never chose the Felicia. No, that that I think that was a shock that, that, that even the best friend was was in on it. That yeah, her like, was changing the car. Yeah. Well, there was a big. I remember around that time it was very popular to let the bad guys win. Right. That, every, that every last shred of hope was taken away from the hero or the heroine. That the, just when you thought that there was at least some somebody on on the hero side on the main character side, even that was taken away, and the bad guys kept winning. Um, Especially in these uh, occult, satanic, uh, thriller kind of things. Yeah, and it, uh, that holds here too. The good guys don't necessarily win. Hope Lang. No, it's very, no, she's, she caves she's, when when she, everything when she's finally pressed under that thing under the under the under the death door. Mm-hmm. When she's literally at death's door, under death's door. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I had, I was saving that one. Thank you. Thank you. You wish to save thyself and sacrifice another as he did before with me? So be it. Give me Ben in thy place. You, Ben? I would know with him something of the life he denied me, Meg Carey. being pressed and confronted by Jennifer who says, you know, I want Ben. Give me Ben. I can have the life with Ben now that I should have had then. And I was like, ew. <laughs> ew. <laughs> ew. He's, like, he's 50. You're 10. What? <laughs> what's happening? I don't know what's happening. That she does cave in. As Steven said earlier, she somehow raises her little hands out from under the tons of rocks. Quite easily <laughs> to yes. give her the wedding ring. Like she says, uh, Jennifer says, give me your wedding ring. I can't take it. That will be the covenant that we have. Give, and she does. She does. She sells out her husband. Just like she did the, the first time. To keep the, the baby. And gets away with it. <laughs> yeah. For a little while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Momentarily. Yeah. But yeah, so it was not some happy, smurfy ending just because it was a TV movie, which was common in these. Yes, the, the, I'm the, looking at the, you. Don't be afraid of the dark. Was that what that was called, Valley Harper? No, that's uh, don't go to sleep. That's don't like, go to sleep. Thank you. So mean. <laughs> oh my god. That's Everybody an incredible that movie. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Except the iguana. The iguana was fine, but uh, that's not the point right now. Uh-huh. Not, yes, you know, when, when people 
Uh, Patrick, people know that you're a movie buff. Does anyone ever come up to you and say, can you can you just help me? This, this image I have, it's from a movie. I can't remember yes. the movie, but... And I've uh, ten times it has just been pizza cutter. I'm like, it's called Don't Go to Sleep. And like, yes. thank you very much. That's, well, that's the, the most... Remember, that's the thing. Using pizza cutter to cut the phone line. Uh-huh, and uh, rolling up the staircase. Yeah. Uh, oh, of the banister. Yeah. Yes, okay. Go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get that all the time. Uh, yeah. before I had a podcast, there was another podcast that I used to call into, mm-hmm. and people would call into that podcast and be like, eh, it's a movie I can't remember, it had this, that, and the other thing, and I would call and be like, it's this, and eventually people would just contact me directly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, it's something that, it's, it's something that we're, we're, the, the, we're good at, maybe it's our calling. Don't ask me anything about the periodic table of elements. But you know the movies. I know, I know movies. Sorry, I can't no, help it. It's our fond memories of a misspent youth. That's what it is. It's like, thank you, thank you. Time. When are chemicals going to do anything for me? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> mm-hmm. I have no time. Well, only for certain chemicals. Thank you, thank you. Well, alcohol's not on there. So. <laughs> can I can I take one moment to shout out to the director here, Walter Groman, who again, growing up. And, you know, being a movie nerd before you could look people up on the Internet, I would just memorize people's names. You know, oh, I've seen that name. I've seen that name. And, you know, he would do four of these a year, plus direct all the Fantasy Islands, Murder, She Wrote. But sure. um, his one big uh, feature film, which is a, a gay favorite in a in a subgenre that is misogynistically called Hag Horror, was uh, Lady in a Cage with uh, Olivia. Olivia de Havilland. Havilland yes. Which, which uh, I've never seen. Yeah, but that goes into the whole realm of like uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane and um, Straight uh-huh. Jacket, you know, one of the mm-hmm. older fading actresses. So anyway, but that's uh, that's Walter Groman, so veteran, Interesting. veteran guy. Interesting. But John, John McGreevy, the writer too. Yeah. I, I was sh- I was surprised at how much other stuff he did that was nothing like this. The Waltons, yep. and Ironside, and Mayberry, all this, all this Actually, very the Waltons, family. The Waltons were all were, the Waltons were all witches. <laughs> yeah. That's that must be the connecting thread. Yeah, that uh, that episode never aired, but you know it was it's there it's there in the subtext. Yeah. You know, it, it's just it's. He's funny. got the mark of the devil right there on his face. John Boy does. <laughs> <laughs> but when we think about it that way, this movie it's uh it wasn't necessarily made by fans. I mean, this was a, this was a job that they would take. You know, so you probably, yeah, they all had rent to pay, and they they all had rent to pay. It out. But isn't it funny that something though that will it will still resonate with us, and this would probably be very low on their list of what they wanted to be remembered for. But you know they could do all this stuff, and they're like we want to talk about Crowhaven Farm, and they're like why, you know? But the, the same as as the everybody that was in the Wizard of Oz, they yeah. had a whole other careers. But the only thing that anybody ever remembers now are yeah. the Lion, the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, right. the Witch, and uh-huh. Dorothy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I get that. Well, I mean, I can kind of see that because, you know, well, the Waltons were on every week. This was on once. Right. Yeah. But it's the same set. So it's like we're looking at the It is the same set. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. And this the, the final scenes, like after everything, like uh, this isn't really the end. Like she sells out her husband. <laughs> But then we get to see his downfall. Wait, when you say the final scenes, are you talking about outside the Bat Cave at Bronson Canyon? 
Yes, it's a it's a farm with woods and a canyon. Yes, uh-huh. yeah. well, but that's like the Batcave from the Batman show. I mean, and seriously, it's where they shot everything in L.A. But it's like they didn't even try to make it look different. <laughs> the suspension of disbelief. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let the audience fill in the gaps. You gotta make do with what you got. I can just imagine all the drunk driving back and forth to set. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So Ben self-destructs. They uh, Jennifer uses that jealousy thing. She insinuates that the baby wasn't his, that it's actually Kevin's, that the night that there was some storm and she crawled. Oh, my God. We didn't even talk about that scene. We didn't talk about the scene where Jennifer just crawled into bed with him. Right. The, the Hope That's Lang the scene that blew my mind because this kid is really creepy anyway. But there's a scene where Hope Lang gets stuck at the office because there's a storm. So she gets Rain. a hotel room or something and she stays there. But Kevin, she, Kevin lets her stay in his apartment. Oh, right, 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 right. Kevin lets her stay in the apartment. That's right. Because, yes. But, Although he meanwhile, won't be there, but... meanwhile, Jennifer takes advantage not only of the situation, but of one of these secret passages that are otherwise not used at all in the story, despite the fact that they're brought up repeatedly. Yes. That, that, that I thought was odd. She takes a secret passage from her bedroom into Ben's bedroom and crawls into bed with him. <laughs> with dialogue that is inappropriate for a child. Jennifer, what are you doing here? I thought I had you all nice and cozy. I'm lonely. Can I stay here with you just for a little while? Sure. I could use some company myself. That a adult watching this, I was agog. Yes, they would never do that now. They never. could never get away with it. I love you, Ben. He just I'm, I'm lonely. Can I crawl into bed with you? Creepy. Creepy. <laughs> it's a it's a two-minute scene, but it's just wrong on every level. So she twists that around. She's like, oh, well, she took the baby. She said she was going to go see Kevin. Cause, and she says something about the night that she spent with him, and he didn't know. Whatever. And he figures out, hey, hey, wait, I shoot blanks. I just remembered. Lord. <laughs> this baby might not be mine, so he grabs Chekhov's shotgun and goes and takes care of Kevin, and pretty much, and then the police chase him to the chase him to the back cave, <laughs> to the back cave with an altar, and he is bitten by the devil and is taken away and is dead. But there's a great scene where she, before she tells him this, he walks in, is like, "Hi, how's my little supermodel?" Whatever he says, and she's for some reason wrapping a package. <laughs> it's called physical action. Right. Come on, you know about this in acting class. Give them something to do while they're doing the lines. So, <laughs> but she she's not tying that bow right, so he does it for her. So she says very cryptically. No one ties the bow the way you do. Nobody ties a bow like you. What? <laughs> it's a bow, and it wasn't even a fancy bow. I'm gay for God's sake. I want, I was expecting something fabulous. No, with the, the the ruffles and the scallops. No, nothing. Yeah, it was, it was just a, a bow. Must have been left-handed or something. I guess, but it's supposed because in the scene, in the big closing scene, after she gets away from all this and she escapes and she's supposedly safe and she's got the ball of socks for a walk out in the park. Right, <laughs> but 
when that policeman comes up and ties the knot the way her husband did, there hasn't been enough time for her husband to be reincarnated and grow I, up and become a policeman yet. Yes, uh-huh. thank you for bringing that up. I mean, uh-huh. Unless, unless he's, unless the the dead husband has possessed an already grown man, that even even when I saw it the first time in 1970 in middle school, this couldn't happen. This is not right. It's uh, cock a duty. This is cock a duty. I don't know about you guys, but uh, with with talking about the, the TV horror movies, have you realized that people often mix this movie up with the Dark Secret of Harvest Home? Uh, no, I mix really? up. I mix up this and the Dark Secret of Harvest Home, and I don't really have any reason to because I was yeah. not. For some reason, my parents knew something about the Dark Secret of Harvest Home, and I was not allowed to watch that. And I've I never still seen haven't it. seen it. Okay, well, I mean, it's got I Betty Davis in it, so I should have seen it by now. It's yeah. on my list. Yeah, but it's just again more bad pilgrim costumes. I think that's why we we lump it together. Uh, but yeah, technically they're not very, very similar, but they they often are mixed up, and I have to clarify and you know what brian they're probably the same bad problem costumes <laughs> <laughs> ye old antique shoppy yeah we got we got we got these pilgrim costumes what you got to do something with them come up with a hey story. somebody optioned dark secret to harvest home <laughs> so i mean that's pretty much the story in the most generalized way of Crowhaven farm and but, I had to say, for a TV movie, it moves along at a nice clip. It does. It does. One thing nobody's ever talked about is the haven for crows. It is the farm. There are no crows. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Crow Haven. There are no crows. There's a vulture at one point for no reason, like you have in Massachusetts. <laughs> I mean, you might, but I don't think vultures and Massachusetts in the same sentence. It could no, happen. Like on The Exorcist, you have crows flinging themselves through the windows, and uh, and in Irish folklore, crow, it's not so much ravens but crows that are the harbingers of death. Oh, um, and but all that is kind of, sort of, maybe implied in the name of the farm, but no one ever sees a crow. No one ever. T- how did it ever get to be called the Haven of Crows when there's not no crows around? We only had an hour and fifteen minutes, Stephen. <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> but they could have worked in a sentence or two. They got they got to reincarnation real quick. They could have said something about the name of the farm. That's true. That's true. They could they could have cut cut out some of those uh, the Hutch characters' endless oh, yes. exposition. Hey, Patrick, yes. uh, you said that when you when you heard the character's name, you burst out laughing because it was from the Crucible. What is the old woman's name? Um, Mercy. Old, Mercy Lewis. Mercy Lewis. Now, do you know who that actress is? That's uh, Virginia Gregg. And, uh, like, if she was still around, she could be making buku bucks signing autographs. Because she is the, uh, aside from being an actress in many, many things, but she is the voice of Mrs. Bates in Psycho 1, 2, and 3. Is she? Yes. Uh. So, so her, her, her greatest role is the one where she, you know, she's not even shown. But yeah. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. And the thing is, you called her the old woman, and I realize she's probably like 45 in this. Exactly. <laughs> probably older than her. Yes. It's, yes. Yep. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for, I, you just smacked the dick out of my mouth on that one. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll put another one back in, don't it's worry. It's all right. Oh, dear. Have another hot dog, dear. <laughs> 
So, um, Patrick, may I ask you, and Stephen also, but what are, what are some of your other made-for-TV movies that you have uh, become obsessed with, or if any? Oh, gosh, there were so many, and so many of them have disappointed me. Yeah. Uh, just speaking of Lisa Albarker, This House Possessed. Of course, with uh, Amanda Wiss getting attacked by a garden hose. By a garden hose. <laughs> yeah, also with Lloyd Bachner, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that one I just saw recently. I'm like, I can't even talk about this on the show because it's boring. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It is so boring, and it makes no sense. Yeah. Oh, but please, oh, oh, well. please have what's his name do another musical number. Oh, uh, pa- Parker Stevenson. Parker Stevenson, please have him sing again. No, please. And this is me. This is me, listeners, who I always say, oh, by all means, a musical number is always welcome. No, not here. No, because yeah. they, they were just awful. He's like, Sean Cassidy, nothing. Look at me. No, mm-mm, no, mm-mm. <laughs> you know, there was, there was this one. This would be bigger than to do run run. There, there was one TV terror that uh, was so hard to find. It took me years, but it's also with Hope Lang. And it was from 1975. And I finally got it. And it was such a letdown. But it was called Secret Nightcaller. Have you heard of this one? No. So let me tell you about the plot. It she, sounds lurid. She plays the wife. Again, the put-upon wife of Robert Reed from Brady Bunch. And uh-huh. He has this addiction to make obscene phone calls. The strange okay. That's the plot. Okay. And but of course they can't play. They the can't show calls. the phone calls. Yes. So you just hear people like Arlene Galaka going, "Hello, what are you saying? Don't say those words. That's disgusting. <laughs> what is this?" But yeah, his predilection for for making obscene phone calls. The secret night caller. Anyway, but uh, but now this stuff is you know is, is getting out there, and I have to plug my friend's book. I have a, a friend, and I've actually never met her, but we became friends through the internet. Her name's Amanda Reyes, and she's uh-huh. got a wonderful book coming out called uh, "Are You in the House Alone," which is all about TV horror movies from this sure. period. And um, that's well, another stinker. She's well, she's the editor of it, and everyone can, it contributes essays. And I was really kind of secretly pissed, like, well, why, why do you call me for Crewhaven Farm? So I hope you listen to this podcast, you bitch, and remember me for the next. <laughs> well, and I, didn't, I didn't mean her book was a stinker. I meant Are You in the House Alone is a real boring stinker. <laughs> it's really dull. Okay, there's one that that I have been obsessed with, and I know it's going to let me down just because. Even as a child, I said, this doesn't make any sense. Just give me a clue, and I'll guess it. Giant turtle? Oh, the Bermuda Depths. Exactly. I'm like, okay, it's a girl, but she's a turtle. Yes. And I don't really remember anything else but that. But even as a child, I was like, what? That creepy song, Jenny. Yes. Yes, that was a a Rankin-Bass production. Remember, they did all those stop motion. Oh, my. Sure. That's a a beautiful uh, Warner Brothers official release on, on on. Blu-ray. Yes, that has got a huge cult following. One of those movies that you do remember being a lot better than it was, but there's lots of miniature models in it, and it scarred my life as a child. And then when I see it again, it's you know it looks kind of fake. But uh, Burl Ives is in it. How can you not love Burl Ives? Because it's ranked. It's bad. It's, it's it's from the Christmas people. That's why. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Rudolph and Company. Yeah. He, was, he was again just lingering around the set. He was lingering around the voiceover studio too, like, like Burl, come here. And Connie Selica as the girl. Yeah. Connie Selica. The other one that I love, which I covered on the show, and even as a child, I thought it was terrible but fascinating at the same time is uh, um, Cruising to Terror. Oh, <laughs> it's got such a great title. I click on it every now and then on YouTube, like, let's give it another chance. And it's like, no, it's just, 
I think it's I think, I think it's hilariously campy bad. Yeah. But it, uh, but, but, and yet dull at the same time. But hey, it's got the Georges in it, and they were the Lund Fontaines of shitty movies. That's a real achievement. That's hard work to be campy and dull. Yeah, like, because literally it's got everything 70s in it. It's got Egyptology, it's got Satanism, it's got a a cruise ship, it's got a shark, it's got everything. (laughs) It's like 1977 in a capsule. Well, Patrick, oh, yeah, sorry, Stephen. What, what you just what you just said there is, uh, is something I, I've thought about a lot. I don't know, Pat, Patrick. You might disagree with me, and feel free to edit this out. But what is your take on like, especially with with gay culture now? I, I I'm seeing that's a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, it's like a, a lot of gay lemmings out there now. This stuff seems to be campy on purpose. And oh. it's yeah. put out there as almost like a, a bait, and it doesn't doesn't necessarily come from a good place. It comes from a place where oh, gays will like this because it's campy, and it really really bothers me that some of the people eat it up. You know, when we grew up, where camp had to be earned, it had to be on accident. Yeah. Now I'm watching shows like American Horror Story, where they'll have some oh. character go, "Oh, you old queen, you bitch," and all the gays at the bar that it's playing at will like clap their hands, and it's like. You guys are just being pandered to. Uh huh. Yes. No, I know people who work on that show. I mean, they do marketing research. Okay, well, the gays love it, so let's like let's let's have a bitchy queen in here. So, but um, what, yeah, it's a, it's formulaic now. So yeah, it's 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 just habit. It's just a habit. Yeah, but also it's you know, and those are the characters that sort of almost reinforce the the terrible stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, those would be the the ones that you know. It's funny, you know, because gay audiences are. Or, or the gay processors, they were outside, you know, picketing the movie Cruising, even Basic Instinct. And now those movies are just so, it's almost like a slap in the face, you know, because the, the gays have adopted it. So, again, yes. it makes this whole thing where the gays don't like, uh, I, I hate to say the gays, but they don't like the political correctness of it. But, you know, I have, it, unless the the gay subtext is, is front and center and out loud, they won't necessarily get the campiness by accident. I, I'm a I'm a huge believer in the the camp has to be by accident. Oh, absolutely, it's definitely no re- to be authentic. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like Mommy Dearest was not meant to be a camp classic. It was meant to I, be a serious, heartbreaking drama. Instead, it's hilarious. Exactly. But Showgirls is in on the joke, and I will argue because now Girls is like this great gay movie, and even my misogynist gay friends all love Showgirls. And uh-huh. it's like the movie. That movie is just pandering. I just, I just, I think that needs to be dethroned. I think so. Okay, I will fight you to the death on that one. So <laughs> I will slap that dick out of your mouth okay, again. Go ahead, let's do it. Let's it's do dick it. slapping day on Scream Queens. Yeah. So maybe we should call it uh, uh, "Smart Gays for Dumb People." I don't know. Smart gay. Yeah. Dumb people. Yeah. No, when it's when it's organic or at least or, uh, unintentional. Uh, yes. Yeah. Or done with love. Not done as a part of a formula, right? Yeah. Just to get just to get the books. Yeah, yeah. I guess my in the long run, it's not necessarily. I'm not angry at that. I'm just perplexed by people's reactions to it. And, yeah, I, uh, I'll get. I I I'll be eye rolling watching American Horror Story in general. But yeah. when they when they do stuff like that, and it's they put such a spotlight on it, like here it comes. Well, He's going to say something bitchy now. Because the audiences just don't appreciate subtlety anymore. No. And so if it's, if it's accidental, it's not obvious enough, and they don't get it. They don't appreciate it. No, they don't appreciate, the, they don't appreciate the subtlety. Yeah. Or it's oh, 20 it's just, City it's just, Pilgrim costumes. 
I mean, I, I know, shame on me anyway. I shouldn't be watching it, but, you know, I was I was watching Scream Queens, and I almost threw something at my TV. I was just so upset. I'm just not going to do that anymore. I made it through about six episodes of that. No, I'm going to keep giving you a chance. Terrible. Terrible show. That, is, that show is, I swear, it's to recruit gay 14-year-old boys. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> to teach them how to be bitchy girls. Yeah, but not even in a fun way. Like, in a no. way that might have been fun, like, ten years ago or whatever, but... So. You know, every every line can't be bitchy. Yeah. Then nothing's right. bitchy. Then it's just nonsense. Okay, yes. boys, I think we've done this. I think we're going to wrap this up. So, Stephen, I'm not, where can people where can people find what? No, You're not huh? done. Get something it, else, Brian. Are you just being facetious? I was being facetious. How dare you? <laughs> How campy? How dare? Uh. <laughs> How jejun of you? Anyway. Um, <laughs> That's a good trade name. I'm Jay June. Anyway, uh, anyway, I, but where are we talking? About? Okay, so Stephen, where can people find out more about you and buy your books? My books are all on Amazon, or you can also look at my website, stephenmorrisauthor.com. Fabulous, and that's with a ph, to Stephen. Ph, yes. yes. And Brian, where can people find out more about you? Well, listen, if you want to, well, come and find me on Facebook. I'm Brian with a Y Norton, and we probably have lots of horror movie friends in common already. And uh, let's make a movie, you know. Let's do it ourselves. Okay. But in the in the meantime, you can also go out there and, and, and buy your DVD and Blu-rays of All Hallows Eve too, and check out the next issue of Delirium Magazine to see my fantastic interview with uh, Susan Swift from Audrey Rose. Okay, Very Brian, appropriate just, interview. Yeah. Just for clarification's sake. Yeah. Because there's about ten different movies out with All Hallows Eve. Exactly. As a title, and they all came out at the same time. <laughs> is this one that's connected to the one with the clowns, the clown guy? Listen, first- I didn't even know. It turns out something I did got sold to that company, and they released it as All Hallows Eve 2, which is technically, it's just, it's. I guess it's a sequel, but it's not. So. Yeah, well, it's hard to do. A, oh, yeah, okay, it's hard yes. to do a sequel to an anthology movie. But I had to say that All, Hall- all Hallows Eve with the clown, yes. despite its low budget. Yes. Was damn effective. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not involved in that one. but um, I know, yeah. but you're attached to a quality product, so that's oh, good. No, I did, okay. uh, I did a segment for the new one that's out, so a segment that you've probably seen with a pumpkin seed. It's called Jack Attack, which is a cute I lo- Yes, I saw that at uh, Head of Lettuce. One oh, of those yeah, 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 yeah. With Joe Zazzo. With Joe Zazzo, who's I'm looking at right now. He's in the other room right now. It's his birthday, so a little shout-out to Joe on Happy Birthday. Hi, Joe Zazzo. I'm going to get you both on the show someday. Yes, That'd be fun. Yes, yes, yes. That'd be fun. Okay, boys, this has been fabulous. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You're very welcome. And before you go, die Baron. Good night. <laughs> die Baron. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Sweet dreams. She's just a dead woman with evil on her mind. Beware the dead woman, she's gonna get you. She's just a dead woman with evil on her mind.
So there's no voicemail for this episode, and that's perfectly okay because we had so much voicemail last time that I'm more than happy to let that slide. There has been other correspondence, there's been emails, there's been tweets, there's been private messages that I'm not really at liberty to go into too much detail to because a lot of people have responded to my announcement last week where I, I came out about my HIV status and said how I was turning this into a safe space and people responding to the story about that girl that I talked about, the girl whose family is is, is looking forward to conversion therapy for her and thank you, thank you all of you who reached out, it means a lot to me that I'm a contact for some of you, a lot of, uh, several people have responded that they are also afraid and they are alone or they feel like they're alone where they are, that they're in a situation where they're surrounded by people who are not accepting of who and what they are and my TV just turned on for no reason which is weird. Okay, shut up, George Decay. George Decay just decided to... I'm sorry, Leia Salonga just decided to start singing. She, shut up, Leia. Save it for the 13th. Okay. What was I saying? Yes, so... Let me just repeat what I was saying is that... Uh, you might feel like you're alone, but you're not. I'm here. And we have a nice little family here. And like I said earlier, when you're in the LGBT community, a lot of times you have... To choose your family rather than deal with the one that DNA and genetics dealt you. And that is a shock for a lot of younger gays who have come out in more recent times, in more accepting times. Some of us have been here before and we've been through this. And I can tell you, you're going to be okay. Just keep in contact with the people who care about you. And there's one of them right here. My email is always open to you. I don't care what you have to complain about or, or what you're – what. don't feel like you're bothering me because you're not. Absolutely not. And several of you I've given my personal phone number to to talk through some particularly dark stuff and I'm more than happy to do that. I have a – a pedestal here for myself that I've always, you know, I mean, that's what the show is. The show is political in nature just because, you know, I'm gay and anything gay automatically adds some sort of politics to it, unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately, but that's just a fact. And since I've been extremely vocal about my opposition to the way things are going in the political state of the United States, as is, I already have a fucking target on my back. I might as well make it a bigger one, right? And for the right reasons. So, please, talk to me. I will not repeat anything here that you don't want me to repeat here. And whenever you need to talk, I am, in fact, here. So, thank you to all of you who wrote in your support of what I said last week of, of coming out. And it means a lot. And... The decision wasn't easy, and like I said, it had bothered me for a long time that I was keeping it from all of you, and it wasn't necessarily a fear thing. It was – well, yes, it was. It said, well, what if this affects my work? What if all of a sudden people won't hire me because I'm an insurance burden? Now I don't really give a fuck anymore. You know, I have no fucks left to give, and therefore 
Let's do this. Okay. So, for next time, I don't really know what I have planned for the next episode. I'm thinking possibly the new movie Tales of Poe, which is fantastic if you haven't seen it. It's a must-buy. I'm telling you that in advance right now. It's a must-buy. But things can change on a dime here because I have to make a confession. Lately, I'm not enjoying anything. I don't enjoy watching horror. I don't enjoy watching comedy. I don't enjoy watching drama. I'm not really enjoying anything because there's always something gnawing at the back of my brain. And I don't know. That's just where I am right now, and hopefully that will change soon. And if not, I will power through and bring you an entertaining show because that is what I am ultimately here to do. This is a place for fun. This is a place for levity. This is a place for getting away from things for a while. But unfortunately, the way things are, they keep cropping up. God damn it. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers continue to make the world a creepier place. And I didn't give out my contact information. So forget what I just said. No, don't forget it because I'm going to say it again anyway. If you do want to reach out to the show, you can pick up your phone and give me a call at 917-720-2047. You can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And of course, that's queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook by doing a search for Scream Queens Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Scream Queens. I'm on Instagram at NoTRForYou and Scream Queens, and there's not much activity there, but I'm there anyway because I just I haven't figured it out. And God damn it, there's only so many hours in the day to deal with social media. I need an intern. Hey, you want to be an intern? <laughs> Call me. <laughs> Write me. Let me know. I need help. I'm only one little person trying to do all this. So now, until next time, my beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember the Scream Queen's golden rule, fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final real baby, because you're too fucking gorgeous to die. Bye! I go hunting for witches Heads up, goes to some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! <laughs>